Skype would like to install a QuickTime. No! QuickTime would like to Skype with you. <laughs> no! <laughs> I say no to all of the above. Okay. Do, do. No, I would not like to install updates now. <laughs> Is QuickTime trying to install? No, that was the computer. Oh. It's like everything popped up at once. Apple. Um, it's like update whack-a-mole. Just got to make sure I hit the X on all. Yeah, totally. I understand the theory behind making your app check if there's new updates as soon as the computer and or the app launches. But at the same time, it is super, super duper annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The um, mm-hmm. the uh, The gateway laptop that i sometimes use to edit the podcast on is laughably old um i'm not going mm-hmm. to say anything more than that it's old and it's gateway because anything further and i think yeah people's heads would explode uh, if they <laughs> understood the uh the the water-powered wheel that was being used to power this podcast um mm-hmm. anyhow it, it it every time i open it it's like you know this weather app would like to update and your security <laughs> software would like to update and your other security software you thought you uninstalled would also like to update and mm. anyways too much craptacular mm-hmm. <clears throat> so how are you pretty good um i'm into week two of my summer course and that's going along swimmingly oh you're taking a swimming class did i say that no no, 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 Figurative swimming, Max. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. So you're taking a figure swimming class. Is that like figure skating, but in water? Shut it down. Shut it all down. You've only got another hour to go. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, That's Fine for Putin... For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 20. Um, I did sort of fake prep. Um, <laughs> I took a picture of a screen and I'll send you that picture later. That's my prep. Um <laughs> No, so I, um, I'd been thinking about this topic and I, when I started trying to prep, I quickly realized that I could justifiably stop trying to prep because I don't have the language for the things I'm thinking of. Mm. (laughs) And I knew, I knew that that would take most of the time and would not be very productive for the discussion anyway. Um, so, and maybe you will make those connections for me anyway. You you don't think the listener would enjoy like an hour of you defining terms? Oh my God. Or like figuring out how I figured out what those terms were. Well, first I Googled this and then it took me down this rabbit hole. So then I, I Googled this instead. And an hour later, I realized I was on Facebook. And then the alarm on my phone went off to tell me I had a call with my brother. <laughs> and then this happened. <laughs> So today, sir, uh, uh, semiotics, uh. hey, <laughs> <laughs> need like a grad school buzzer or something. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the ding, the mm. the bell. So do they when <laughs> when you defend your thesis? Do they have that? Do they have like a buzzer? Like you say something oh wrong, you go. <laughs> 
Well, no, because you could argue anyway. No, <laughs> that would be awful. Um, la la la. <laughs> That's like in speech. Sometimes we'll joke about when we're trying to uh, break bad habits and and bad ticks will threaten to throw things every time they do it so that way they can know usually it ends up being something much less violent like we're gonna wave our arms or or hold up a sign that says knock it off every time you they do whatever mm-hmm. just to point out how often they're doing whatever the thing mm-hmm. is but i i yeah. think you should it's like I, we will catch this <laughs> you should you should, i think you should go in a different direction i think you should go even further in the direction of throwing things i think you should have them practice in a dunk tank I like this. Yes. Um, (laughs) I was picturing, um, when I was saying not too violent, I was picturing the, um, I think it's the, the, well, it's not the opening scene. It's very close to the beginning of Ghostbusters um, when Venkman, wait, Venkman? What is Bill Murray's? Yeah, Venkman, Peter Venkman. Yeah. Um, When Venkman's got the... (laughs) The students in the experiment, and he keeps zapping the poor schlub and telling the beautiful <laughs> woman she's gotten all the answers right. Right, right. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh. And and the, the guy who's getting zapped is uh, actually coming really remarkably close to uh, to all the cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he actually does get one right, finally. Mm-hmm. And Venkman just sort of looks at it and puts it down on the table. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not quite that bad. Um, so yeah, I, I imagine that if I were to, um, if I would have gone further in that direction with the prep, um, the listener would be in, in some sort of pain, much like those scenarios we just described. So anyway, um, so I'm sending you a picture of my Google search screen um, because the here's here's the way I thought of into this topic was um, I know that there is. Um, a wide array of evidence suggesting that um, to lead to lead a productive lifestyle, a productive um, work life, um, one should also have a hobby. <laughs> um, so this is sort of related to um, we talked last week about work life balance, such as it is, um, and this topic um, I thought of as we were talking, and we didn't specifically get into it this way, but I thought this way in might be a nice bridge. Um, so the cert- the screen I'm sending you is, um, I think I typed in, you should have a hobby or why you should have a hobby um, as my search terms. And this giant list of listicles basically um, came back at me. Um, the very first headline was literally why you need to have a hobby um, but then like 22 reasons, eight reasons, nine reasons you need to have a hobby. Um, but yeah, because the topic I was thinking about, um, the word I came up with for it, as I, as I told you, um, is cohesion. And what I was thinking about was, um, so among all of the projects in one's life, how closely should all of those things align? That was my general sort of thing that I was wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if, if I can interject very quickly, um, 74%. That's how much they should align. Mm-hmm. Correct. Very good. Solved. I mean, the, the episode's pretty much over, so can I go home? Um, I think you are home. <laughs> oh, yeah. I live here now. It, d- um, it doesn't sound like your office. 
living with boxes, which is good. Um, I'm technically in the home office. Mm. Um, I have not been um, assembling Fort Podcast for the last two weeks because after I listened back, um, when I didn't construct Fort Podcast, it sounded fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you trade you trade okay. a little bit of echo for a little bit of background fuzz. You know, it's oh. it, it doesn't really you know six of mm-hmm. one half a dozen of tired old sayings about things being the same 74 percent mm. yeah yeah um and i was trying to remember and i felt really bad i was like oh no what if he's prepped for something completely different because when i start i was like well i know that probably no one else would call this phenomenon cohesion but i looked it up just to see and everything I got was about team cohesion and productivity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, no. What if I didn't explain myself? And that's what Max thinks I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, oh no. He's been thinking about the wrong thing for a week and I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I didn't actually prep very much at all because I did not know what direction you were going to go in. So I thought of a <laughs> few things and then didn't spend too much time developing them. Fair enough. Well, maybe just because you have seen more um, in the realm of productivity literature, um, what, what other terms would be used to describe the thing I'm talking about? Uh, in terms of aligning the various roles or projects in your life? Yeah, like is that is this a thing? Like is this a topic or did, am I just am I literally Max, am I literally the first person who's ever thought of this? No, you're not. I don't think you're the first person who's ever thought of it. I don't know if anybody else who's used the term cohesion though. And that's, you know, like uh, I said 74% a few minutes ago. I think it's it would would be fair to use that statistic a different way. I think 74% of almost every self-help bestseller is just having a new metaphor or a new term for something that's already well defined. So, you're way ahead of the <laughs> game by calling it cohesion, I think. Uh, I would say in terms of making sure that all the various disparate elements of your life align and pull in the same direction, that is, that is a thing that gets talked about. Um, and I really, the way that a lot of sources out there, I think would, would characterize it though, they wouldn't talk about it so much in terms of, of cohesion. Um, although there's going to be an element of that necessary, they would, they would talk about it in terms of focus. Um, Mm. and I'll, I'll point to one relative bestseller of the last few years, um, a book called the one thing, um, not to be confused with the one I have quoted from and also moaned about the title of the one thing you need to know. This is just the one thing Uh, I'm looking up. Oh my God. So there's at least two things. Oh my God. There are so many things. Oh my gosh. All the one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So the one thing. So I think somebody's lying the, if there's all these one things. The one thing is by Gary Keller. Um, okay. and I don't actually like this book very much either. In fact, I like it even less than the one thing you need to know by Marcus Buckingham. Um, but the one thing is is a good example if if people want an example of of you know uh, non academic literature from the field um, that talks a lot about focusing on just one thing in your life and making sure everything is kind of, you know, centered around and pulling Mm -hmm. towards that. Um, and I, I don't know. I I, I think more often that's what you're going to find is, um, there will be, there will be discussions of having one or a very small number of focus or foci for your life, but not, not so much in terms of making sure that everything in your life, you know, 
overlaps to a healthy degree or that a certain number of things in your life are separate, you know. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's something else we could say is uh, if your life is too coherent, um, you know, to use to use your term, if every hobby and every personal relationship and every everything you have going on all comes from the same source, that can also I think be unhealthy and, and unproductive ultimately. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you mm-hmm. get how you get burnout. Um and certainly I think that might be a good way to have a very fragile life. Um, you know, if all mm-hmm. of your friends are friends from work. Uh, if you lose that job or that company goes out of business or, you know, you have to move or the company has to move and you can't for some reason, um, right. you just lost your employment and your social life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So in a way it's almost not sustainable mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Yeah. Be fair to say. Yeah. Not sustainable and, and fragile in, in, in a kind of interesting way. Um, you know, it could be very mm-hmm. powerful. Um, I am sure if one's entire social life was focused on one's colleagues, that would have certain productivity benefits. Like, you know, anytime you go to a ball game or go to the bar or whatever people do uh, with colleagues that they're friendly with, um, you know, you can you can bring up little bits of business and get them done. You know, you can keep mm-hmm. brainstorming. You know, you don't have to wait for the, the status meeting on Monday. Um, you can talk it out on Sunday afternoon at the barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, but then but then again, you, you are not as resilient. You know, your network... If anything takes either of those networks away from you for some for some reason or other, um, you you lose the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even in that example, um, if if one of the um, one of the reasons you're at the ball game is that you need a break from all those mm-hmm. parts of your brain you're you're using at work, then right. yeah, you're overtasking. Right. Your brain you're you're always sure. on at that point. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I, it's, it's something I've thought about various times because I'm, you know, I, I'm very prone to in, in the spheres of sort of work, productivity, self-improvement, those kinds of, that kind of, of literature, those kinds of books. Um, I tend to be very drawn to the ones that are about focus and simplicity. And, and I do subscribe mm-hmm. to the belief that, you know, you can't, um, I'll, I'll make my first David Allen quote of the week. Um, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You know, it's, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but that said, like, I, I definitely, um, have not found super great success in my life. The various times that I've tried to make everything about one thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still struggling with it and I'm, you know, with my background, um, I, I absolutely love stumbling upon what seems to be the most accurate or rich word for a term. So now that I'm, thinking more about it. Like I know that cohesion isn't the perfect word. Um, and I'm resisting the word focus that I don't know, like it, I guess. So here's, so I guess here's why I'm interested in this and why I wanted to bring it to the table here was it seems weird to me that you couldn't still lead a focused quote unquote life. Um, I just said the quote unquote before the, (laughs) Uh, before I said focus, not before I said life. <laughs> I just realized I was just picturing me going life with air quotes, like a like a jerk. Life, if you <laughs> anyway, will. Um, I guess the listeners may have a life. Um, anyway, <laughs> if you <laughs> really can weird. call it that. <laughs> right, right. Obnoxious eye roll air quote. Um, <laughs> anyway, focused um, life. Um, 
Oh, maybe maybe this will um, sort of get at the tension that I'm feeling. Like, so last week, I can't remember what in particular made me think of this, but I was thinking about how it seems like every time the press covers um, President Obama going on a vacation or having a day where, like, he goes golfing for two hours um, or does something with his family that's not, like, official state business, it always seems like people feel the need to um, freak out. (laughs) Like, the president should absolutely be on the job Mm 24-7. And, like, the idea that the the president should take a vacation for a single day, let alone a whole weekend or three days or whatever, um, is just absurd. Um, But then you think of the... Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And then you think of the the other side of that where the press is also very and I'm not blaming the media absolutely. I'm just saying that's where it gets covered. That's how I know. Um but then the press will also cover like look at how much this guy aged just 4 years in the office. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like sure. Well, <laughs> watching like what the office of the president does to mm-hmm. in, in the case of history, men, you know, right. It's like, but you just said he can't go golf for two hours. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you know, to, to be fair, um, to, cause I'm sure we have listeners of every political persuasion. Um, yes, it, it is also true that the same things were often said of George W. Bush when he would go to his ranch, uh, in or near Crawford, Texas or wherever. Right. I don't know. Right. I don't really care, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, you know, and I'm, 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 you know, I just want to, I want to, want to be clear and be fair here. Um, cause I imagine <laughs> we might have a s- reputation for taking a certain side and in, in history. So, um, we're not just because heaven forbid we have opinions. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's going to happen. We're going to get painted with that brush. As you know, I am the most liberal Senator ever elected by the great state of Georgia, but still I want to try where I can to be fair. Good job. No, I'm just <laughs> talking because He's the current president. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's as you were talking, the something else that occurred to me that I I find kind of almost, I mean, it's it's laughable and is asinine that it's something that is even covered by any news outlet, and I mean any news outlet that anybody finds this interesting. But think of other high profile figures. Think of anybody with a similar profile in the United States to the president of the United States. Almost everyone else who is under that kind of scrutiny is a celebrity from say sports or entertainment. And mm-hmm. their leisure activities are reported, you know, in, in, I don't know about necessarily glowing or critical terms, but like nobody is saying like, why is John Travolta, you know, at the beach in, in Acapulco? Shouldn't he be working harder? Um, How dare he? <laughs> and yet I would, right. I would bet a huge amount of the coverage of most people with a profile anywhere near the presidents in this country uh, is talking about that very kind of thing, leisure activities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, so certainly, that, looking at the magazines yeah. at the supermarket, that seems to be all anybody talks about in this country <laughs> is the activities of the rich yeah. and famous. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! And sometimes the president, like sometimes he makes it in there. Um, oh my god! I mean, or Putin, like his his beach strolls are a big deal because <laughs> people think it's or posing in a cowboy hat on a horse. Yeah, God, that horse. What's the deal? <laughs> anyway, so. So it's okay for Putin to take a vacation, but not Obama? Uh, that's fine for Putin. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> that's fine for Putin. <laughs> Title. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, we can knock off early. Yeah, okay, yeah, this one is over. We are hyper efficient. <laughs> we could have ended at eight minutes, and now we can end at 21 minutes. Uh, Do you, Max, cut this up into at least three episodes. This is gold. <laughs> oh, my God. We are so focused. Okay, so welcome to part three of our trilogy on cohesion. <laughs> on focus. We are so freaking focused. Yeah, so I guess all that is to say... Uh, I, and maybe I don't know. I get and I keep be like tripping over myself, and I don't need to. But I, I think now that I'm thinking it through, maybe part of it's that I always hear the the dissident voices, even though like I don't golf. You know what I mean? Like the examples I keep thinking of are not my life, and I actually struggle with the question, like, oh, what are your hobbies? What do you do in your free time? Because to me. Like free time is sleeping. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know Indeed. what I mean. Because no, totally. even my 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 vegetable time, you could say, like when I'm just watching TV or just painting my nails or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I consciously choose to do those things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's just me being a jerk and being like, oh, well, what's free time? What does that mean? Let's deconstruct it. Grad school buzzer. Well, yeah, um, I, I would I would say though that I mean the consciously chosen activities even even if you are using tv in a deliberate and measured way um as recreation which is something that i i think i do pretty well with like it's you know i don't watch that much tv and when i do i I can stop whenever i want man i don't know about that because what i do watch i'm really into um yeah i I have another podcast idea that relates to that actually um oh jeez but focus (laughs) you need to focus need cohesion um Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, you know, even 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 if that is completely deliberately chosen, planned, budgeted time, that's still free time. Um, you know, you're you're not watching TV to fulfill an obligation, except for when I say watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. We're going to talk about it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> other than that, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. you know you if you have any any of those things in your life that is still free time and depending on how i you know the what's the difference between a, a pastime and a hobby i think it's just a matter of how consciously and deliberately and intensely you do it and in those cases they're probably pastimes um unless you're doing a lot of nail art on pinterest that i don't know about in which case that might be a hobby but hmm. so wait are you saying pastime is the less intense version or the more intense version i would say less intense version I would say I would say a hobby, is, a hobby is more deliberate. A hobby is something that you are sinking more resources and and deliberateness Asian into. <laughs> I'm gonna look up the definition of deliberateness Asian now. By which do you mean you're gonna add that page to Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> right next to cohesion. It's a word. Cohesionness uh, activity, dude. Yeah. Um, now we're now we're just yeah, naming like strengths yeah. finder parodies. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um, hobby hobbiness. <laughs> Pastimeitude. <laughs> that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be funny to Kevin Forge and like one other person who listens. Hey, that makes me happy. That's good enough. <laughs> All right. Um. Oh jargon, um, jargon, jargon. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I and I, I probably completely deflated the self-deflating point you were already making to counter your own point. But no. So what am I saying? Okay, and maybe 
God, sometimes the show just devolves into like me figuring my shit out. Oh my God. I, you know, I think um, that's okay. I think that's like when back to work <laughs> is really good. <laughs> yeah. Merlin just starts thinking out loud. Um, cause I, like I was saying, I don't even golf. Like I don't knit when I am having my quote unquote free time. I am doing very typical free time type things. Like I am sitting on the couch watching television or a movie or I am goofing around on the internet or whatever. Um, But then that hobby question is always kind of weird because it's like, well, if I'm reading something, but it's somehow supporting my graduate work, then I'm really sort of fibbing because it kind of is stuff I have to Mm -hmm. do because it's all support. I mean, even if it's outside of my coursework, like it's still supporting some project you know yeah um but then i could honestly answer the question like oh what do you do for fun it's like oh i do the things that i do for my life for fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like, i teach and i read lots of books i pay to read lots of books (laughs) well and in that case like Um, like contra to what i said earlier about certain types of of overlap are not going to be healthy or are going to make you more fragile um, mm-hmm. I think in that case, that might actually be an asset though. If there are things that you enjoy doing, you know, a lot of, a lot of, there's, there's kind of a divide in, in sort of self-help and success literature, um, between sort of, you know, this is the easy way to do it. And, you know, you need to relax and clear your mind and everything will be fine. Um, and there's a lot of yeah. that that's even kind of, of relatively sound and somewhat common sense research based, not just airy fairy, like you know, uh, law of attraction garbage. Um, but there's, there's a school of thought that's like, you know, you need to chill out more if you're going to succeed. But there's also a school of thought that says like, you need to, again, focus. You need to put 100% of yourself into your thing. You need to follow your passion. You need to, you know. Yeah. Um, and oh. I think, I think from the passion school, at least side, you know, that there is, <laughs> I think a number of good examples, if not research literature that would say, you know, if you do have something you love doing enough that you can do it more than the average person can, that's a good thing for you to be doing because you're going to go further mm-hmm. with it. I mean, there's there's no doubt that uh, a lot of people could be more productive if they chill out more. But at the same time, I have a hard time believing that a CEO who worked 10 to 20 hours a day, six days a week for 20 years until he became CEO, became CEO despite his long hours. You know what I mean? Like, mm. he was able to do something uh more than most of the people around him and he eventually rose mm-hmm. up through the ranks um on on the yeah. back of that labor uh same same would well, go for sports yeah. or art like if you if you enjoy or can tolerate uh extreme training for sports or um you know doing a lot of drawing or painting or whatever your art form is playing music mm-hmm. um the if you can stand to do more of that and more things related to that uh, and can't really stand to be doing other things very much relative to the people around you, I think you're probably going to go further. Um, right. So I don't know. Right. I, all of that's to say, like, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a problem um, if all of your quote unquote hobbies also support your, your co, you know, your, your coherent vision of where you're going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, and maybe this is like the, like, oh my God, I'm so out of words. Um, too much grad school. <laughs> I need a better hobby. Um, <laughs> maybe I should be playing golf right now and then we should talk. Um, I don't know. It's like I have preemptive guilt for the golf I don't play. Because <laughs> mm. like, 
what you were just saying, Title what again. I was hearing in it was like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of catchy. Um, like in the in what you were just saying, and I'm not suggesting you meant it this way, but I almost heard some people would use this sort of argument as an excuse for not working harder when they could go the extra mile. Uh, some, someone would say like, I, I, I'm not sure I follow. (laughs) So maybe, um, Bob and Beth at the office, um, have the same position. They work on the same projects. Um, but Bob, goes home right at five, right at the end of the day. Um, he golfs on the weekends, but sometimes when there's a crunch at work, Beth will stay till six. And sometimes she'll come in on a Sunday afternoon for a couple hours. Um, and that helps keep them on deadline. Whereas Bob is not willing to do that because Mm -hmm. he quote needs to de-stress or needs to get his creative outlet or, or whatever through golf. Um, so I don't know. So like maybe part of me is like in these conversations, like, does your ability to have like an outside activity like speak to either your privilege or your um, sort of lack of dedication? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. my deal is. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it's I think what we what we're what we're running up against is that it's a complicated issue. Um, you know, there are <laughs> there are certainly. I think fields that you're going to have um, advantages accruing if you if you can get all of your horses pulling in one direction because um, mm-hmm. we don't have enough metaphors on the show. Um, <laughs> if uh, uh, but that again that doesn't that doesn't mean that that is always 100 percent the solution. You should only do that. <laughs> you know, again, if your entire life is mm-hmm. about that thing, and going back to fragility, like I just said, you know. There are cases where the person who can who can work longer and harder on one thing is going to have an advantage. Well, but that 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 doesn't contradict what I said earlier. That still has a certain amount of fragility. If you are an athlete and you're you you know you go pro and um, that's what you're banking your entire future on, but your first season you have an injury in training that you can't recover from. Um, everything you mm-hmm. spent your college and and uh, high school and you know your first year out in the quote unquote real world preparing for is now over and you if you didn't really do anything else you know but on the other hand Mm -hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't have gone pro if you had had seven other hobbies if you were on you know captain of the football team and captain of glee club does glee club have a captain is that a thing you're you're doing a great job just keep going (laughs) you know if you were if you were quarterbacking (laughs) jazz band and basketball then (laughs) oh my god there's so many titles Quarterbacking jazz band, jazz band, and and <laughs> basketball. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Like, there's, I, you can you can make the argument either way, and I think both are true. Um, the the unsatisfying <laughs> answer of this is that it's it's a balancing act. You know, it's what you. Oh my God. I, I don't think the mm-hmm. answer is you need to diversify and have diversions. And I don't think the answer is you need to make sure everything in your life is pulling in the same direction and focused on one goal. I uh, think I think what we're saying is you need to understand that you are trading things off. Um, you know, if there's, if there's anything to be said here that's useful and I'm not convinced that there is, (laughs) I think it's the, yeah, coherence among the various aspects of your life, your roles, your hobbies, your projects, your work, whatever. I think having cohesion there is a good thing, but you also have to understand you're trading something off. (laughs) 
But Max, solve my life. I think I just did. Just just don't get a first injury. You don't don't get an injury no. your first season that you go pro oh in, in the you know and national water the horses. The National English Association. Ball. Oh my God. You're, that was so close. <laughs> so close. You're you're doing a great job. Um okay, I did think of a real thing there. Okay. But some of that was depressing. I was like, oh my God, I, this isn't even my we can, life. Like, we can be depressing. hypothetical lives. We can be it's depressing. Like, oh That's God. fine. <laughs> Not for me. Just for, I mean, I don't care if the, I don't care how the listeners feel. I can't control that. <laughs> um, <Maybe> you can't. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just devolving. I'm devolving to whining. Um, no, okay. So I did think of a real thing in there, and maybe you can help me remember from whence it came. Mm-hmm. Um, Ah, shoot. Maybe Merlin has said this or quoted it before. Um, Somebody's advice at one point about um, thoughts on modern education, such as it is, was that you should um, look to gain a wide and shallow set of skills in a number of areas, but you should also sort of ground yourself in a single um, sort of technical skill, whatever that might be. Um, um yeah, do you I, remember? I, I do. I think I can even find a specific, not, not every episode of back to work or anywhere else where it's come up, but there's at least one episode of back to work yeah. early on that I think I can, I can find a link to. Yeah. Um, and that's probably why it's jumping out. Uh, the way I recall him phrasing it is, is the thing to do is, and this was advice given to him, I think by an uncle who worked at maybe Procter and Gamble, like, you know, in mm. 1980. So who knows, you know? Whether or not that's valid today, where does he know? Uh, but Merlin, Merlin certainly thinks it does, and it doesn't sound like a bad, bad way to go to me. But the specific thing he said was, get a liberal arts education and learn a technical skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, um, and I, I think that's that is encapsulating, you know, kind of what you're saying. Because um, a liberal, I mean, what is a liberal arts education? You you take a little bit of everything. Um, right, you know, you, right. you will probably have a major unless you are at a college where you can literally major in liberal arts, in which case you right. technically have a major. Or I general guess. studies. Yeah, general stud, yeah. Gin, gin stud. No, that's a real thing. No, I yeah, know it is, stud. but I like to call it gin stud because <laughs> I think of it the same way as like general population in the prison. Gin pop. Oh, my. <laughs> Anyhow. Oh, my, Max. I mean, education, prison system, yeah. not so far apart, are we? Uh, um, nope, nope. Maybe, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think though that's <laughs> the, you know, the liberal arts education is, is a lot, a little bit about a lot of things and, you know, learn a technical mm-hmm. skill, get very good at doing one thing in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that could have come out of episode seven, vocational wheel. Uh, it was around that time because it was sort of in, in that yeah. arc. That might be the specific one. Yeah, it makes sense, but mm-hmm. I guess they jump around. Yeah, so um, yeah, so this is making me think of um, in this class I'm in right now. I'm in it with a, a bunch of um, educators from this across the state, um, English educators specifically, um, and we were talking today about this idea of um, the breadth of knowledge that an education covers. And I was thinking about um, something I actually learned from my students. Ha <laughs> ha They do the work. Um, I have them do these history projects um, that turn it, I mean, they're written essays, but they involve a lot of um, history and researching using primary materials, um, but specifically about our campus and its history. Um, 
but one of the things I learned in the process in a couple people's projects was um, that when my institution um, was in its early decades, so about a hundred years ago, um, there, well, when they started, I believe there was only one sort of program of study. Um, and then several decades later, so again, about 1915, um, it had split into two tracks, but even within those two tracks, which were, you know, so it's basically like back in the day, there were two majors and that was it. Mm -hmm, Um, but either way on either track, you had very little choice in what courses you took, Mm -hmm. um, both because of the size of the institution, but also the philosophy about what it meant to get a college education. Um, one of the tracks was slightly heavier in what would have been called the classics. So reading lots of classic literature and philosophy Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but I think on both tracks, you studied Greek to some extent, you studied math to some extent. Um, I think there was some sort of science course. Um, but yeah, it was very straightforward. And I think today, and I'm, I haven't read enough to know, but this is my general impression that, Today, the the gen ed courses, so even at my institution, which is liberal arts, um, no matter what your major is, you're expected to complete a certain number of general education courses that cover a wide range of of topics. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's probably the remnants of that. The idea of the classical education gets you a grounding in all these things. Um, But it's so interesting because now... um, even though we're sort of post-industrial in our, our world, um, <laughs> students in the general population still seem to view those gen ed courses as somewhat of a joke mm-hmm. um, and somewhat of a hurdle. Right. I was on just going to, that's exactly the word I was yeah, going to say, a yeah. hurdle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got yeah. to tick the box and they're going to do what they mm-hmm. have to do to tick the box. Mm-hmm. So what does that say about about what we're talking about, about focus and and cohesion well i mean in in the realm of education that throws in a lot of other stakes of course yeah um I, you know i don't know I, I i'm of two minds about it i am very much um uh i'll try to find who said this originally i heard it via merlin <laughs> man again quoting merlin a lot and this one i don't know if i can <laughs> find somewhere where specific where he said it but at some point he Abe said something Lincoln about like like wanting a well-rounded class not a well-rounded student um, and, and again, back huh. to all these things I'm talking about, all these, you know, modern sources about focus and working hard at, at one thing. Um, there, there mm-hmm. certainly is an, an awful lot of stuff nowadays that points towards the idea of, um, it, you know, finding something in particular to, to go way lopsided on, to be really good at. Uh, and in fact, mm-hmm. I, we, we made a joking reference without really explaining what it was to the Gallup Strengths Finder program a little bit ago, which is, you know, a, a, again, I think we described it once before, but it's a personality battery that, you know, you you take a, a, a questionnaire and then it, it identifies, you know, areas of talent that you might have. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, the whole philosophy behind the Strengths Finder is not that you should be good at everything, it's that you will naturally be good at a small number of things and you should pick one or more of those to focus on. Um, and and I think, uh, I think there's starting to be a conversation in the culture around that. And certainly there are a number of young people who are interested in pursuing that model. You know, if you know, you want to be a psychology major, you might not be that interested in taking, um, physics or math or, 
uh, if you need a phys ed elective at your at your particular institution, <laughs> you know things like that. You might you might mm-hmm. see as burdensome if you know for sure what you want to do. Um, right. you know, same thing if you're a math major. If you're a math major, you might be like, well, why do I have to take a humanities course? I'm a math mm-hmm. major. What's wrong with you? You know what's <laughs> what's the square root of Hemingway, jackass? Um, title again. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, uh, but and and I think that's I think that's valid, and I understand why people get frustrated by that. But I I do still think that that kind of um, that broad exposure is valid. Um, a because you're never again going to have to you know you're never again going to be made to understand things in that wide a variety of worlds in your life. Probably mm-hmm. you know it might be the last time you have to learn any math. It might be the last time you have to read a, a novel that you didn't choose. Um, you know, it's 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 good in that sense. But I think it's also good because uh, just thinking about college kids, I'm going to bag on college kids like I did a week or two ago. Um, who at 19? <laughs> We're both enrolled in courses right we now. Are, we are literally both <laughs> college students right now. Uh, but who, who at 19, and yeah, I realize that the average age of the college student is going up in America. So what? Um, who at 19 knows anything about where they're going to be the rest of their life? I mean, yes, okay, a few people are like, I'm going to be a lawyer, and they're saying that from the time they're 10. A few people are like, I'm going to be a doctor, and they're saying that from the time they're four, and they stick with it, and they right. do. But realistically, how many people how many people who even finish the major they have when they're 19 are ever going to work in the field of their major, ever, for right. a day? Right. How many people are even going to finish the same major they, they, are, they have when they're 19? Mm-hmm. So I, to me, I think part of the value of that, no matter how big of a burden it feels like to those students, is uh, you know the number of you who actually know what you should be doing with your life is a rounding error. So all of you need to be exposed to more than whatever you think you're here for. And that mm-hmm. includes me, by the way. I, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not finish the degree I started when I was 19. Sure. So no, and I I did not stick with the tra- trajectory I was on necessarily um, because I thought I wanted to teach K through twelve. So I was in the education department, which I never took a single course out of. Um, <laughs> yeah. I went English, and then I went to grad school, and I've I've learned about education in graduate school mm-hmm. um, instead. Yeah. Um, but you know, so so I did not even end up in the department I was meant right. to. Yeah. So I don't know. So. <sighs> So now maybe I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna rail against the stuff that apparently I was thinking about and didn't realize I was. <sighs> it all works itself out. It's fine. Um, I don't know, but even thinking about the idea of academic departments and disciplines, um, in some ways, I think the model and the idea that all of these disciplines are distinct and they have lines and boundaries around them. Um, is really sort of uh, not dangerous. Dangerous isn't the right word. It's a little silly, you know, because in in so many situations, um, it would be so much more educational um, to recognize all the ways that these disciplines blur. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm thinking about it, so applying it more broadly to this talk, it's like, well you can't know what connections are going to be forged until they happen and they come to you. I mean, outside of, so the very basic stuff, we know this about um, the brain, but so often um, 
ideas and connections will come to us when we're doing um, something like something physical, something maybe manual labor, you're out mowing the lawn mm-hmm. and suddenly you realize something new about a project you're working right. on. Um, or you're in the shower and you're not listening to anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so true that when you become immersed in a task, um, not necessarily even a brainless task. I was reading um, an article about a woman who took up knitting but one of her points was it wasn't just that she could do an easy knitting project and then space out on good stuff, but even on the really, really complicated projects where she was totally immersed, it would give her brain a break. So when she came out of the knitting, um, she was able to do deeper thinking mm-hmm. because she had been so distracted by the difficulty of the knitting task. Right. Um, so, I mean, we know all that stuff. Um but even the sort of interesting serendipitous stuff that couldn't happen unless it did. <laughs> I'm so smart. Um, you know, you, why do I keep, I just keep picturing Obama going golfing. That's all I got. Um, <laughs> well, at least now I know like, what, what picture to look up from the internet to, to put as the oh short for this one. Yeah, no kidding. Like Katie's image of a hobby. Katie needs to get a hobby and here's how you know. The only image she can draw up is a picture of Obama playing golf. Um, get a life. Um, but like, you know, you go golfing with an acquaintance and his or her wider social network is sort of there and around the clubhouse or whatever. And you meet someone who turns out to be a great connection for, for something you're working on and actually is a new sort of, mm-hmm. um, it's a new person in your network right. now. Well, you know, that, 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 that wouldn't have of, happened. Yeah. It's that old strength <laughs> of weak ties thing. Um, where, you know, most jobs, mm-hmm. uh, I'm saying most, I don't actually remember any of the numbers, but I'll link to it in, in show notes so people will know if I'm wrong. But, um, but those, that's that <laughs> famous study and, and it's follow-ups that said that like, you know, an awful lot of jobs are found through acquaintances because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not the people you know, know who can help you find a lead because they only know the same mm-hmm. stuff you do. It's your weak ties. You know, it's the strength of weak mm. ties. And if you're if you're being exposed to new people, you're going to have more of those weak ties and more opportunities for new ideas, new leads, mm-hmm. new connections to come your way. Yeah. Um, which is terrible you know, news for that, an introvert. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I almost said that's why you marry well, so that the person will show you around. But by marry well, I didn't mean like into um, – financially well-off family i meant like marry an extrovert (laughs) (laughs) which was very uh extrovert centric of me to say that that would be marrying well Mm. because i also think i married well well i did i did Um, marry an extrovert so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i married an introvert and taken here (laughs) (laughs) yes no and that it makes me more sensitive so i'm more well off in that way Mm -hmm. um to be fair um I don't know. Yeah. So now I'm thinking maybe I do have an opinion and maybe that's okay. Um, <laughs> mm, I'll be the judge of that. Well, we ended at minute eight. So all this is getting cut. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is all gravy. <laughs> this is all part three. I'm just, I'm just still um, recording in case there's a good gag to put at the end. Oh my God. Da, 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 da. Um, Oh, there was a real thought there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thinking about these connection things. So like whether it's in your brain or whether it's social or whether it's um, 
you know, whatever your extra, extra time spent puts you in contact with or exposes you to, I feel like being too focused and being, um, a little too cohesive in your circles or in your work or whatever, I feel like that can breed a certain type of isolation. Like again, both within your brain and socially, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just thinking about, and you know, now that it's summer and my activities are so different than what my school year looks like. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all picnics and water slides now. <laughs> That's lovely. I like that image. I'm going to replace Obama with that image. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like a woman in a jean jacket vest. You know what I mean? Um, like a, a red and white checkered tablecloth. She's got her her hand on her son's shoulder, and there's watermelon on the table. So. Your hobby might be being Thomas Kincaid. Earlier when you were talking about um, having the horses pull the stuff all in the same direction, mm-hmm. I was actually, I was listening kind of, but I was also <laughs> picturing like, yeah, but no, no, follow me here. Like it was a good one. Like, yeah, but isn't, okay, let's say a hobby is when like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm cracking myself up. I can't even say it. <laughs> like what if. But having a hobby, though, is like you take one of the horses off the big, I don't know these words, the big uh, harness thing that holds them all together, and you let the horse just pull like a little tiny cart by itself, and it gets a good little exercise and a good little romp over there. But then when you put that horse back with the rest of the horses, like it's ready to go, and it's got fresh ideas about how to pull the big cart, you know what I mean? (laughs) So that's what I was picturing earlier. I think it works. <laughs> Cohesion. Not the one from, what's that awful show with those awful people? Pretty Little Liars? Uh, <laughs> no, the supposedly reality. They're on the, oh, Jersey Shore. Oh, right. I think one of, one of their names is the situation. <laughs> That's a thing. You're laughing. That's a thing. There's a uh, man who calls himself that. I'm, I'm laughing at him, not with him. <laughs> He doesn't laugh. He just sneers and yells and goes to the gym and mm-hmm. things. So, yeah, cohesion. Yeah, cohesion. I, I still can't think of a better word, but I don't. I don't know what I mean. I think we solved work-life balance again. We did. <laughs> it was a little more confusing this time. I, listeners, I think you're going to have to listen like maybe two or three times. I'm not even sure what just happened. Um, <laughs> it was certainly the most fun episode we've had in a while. <laughs> oh my god, so many titles! Mm. No, really, break it all up. We've got the titles for them. Mm. Yeah, we just don't have the yes. content. Yes. Um, <laughs> I just realized what you said. It took me a second. I was like, "What?" <laughs> We're like the kids who picture in the horses. <laughs> <laughs> like the kids who, like you know, can't play an instrument yet, but they they are spending a lot of time debating what their band name should be. Oh my god. That's right. Yeah. Um, yes. I did think, um, I don't know that this will <laughs> lend to more discussion, but maybe it will. Maybe one of the reasons why my brain is broken about this topic is when I started graduate school, um, there was in my department um, at the time um, a course that was basically grad school in English for dummies, um, like an introductory um, orientation type of class. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So there was a, a library skills element. Um, we talked a lot. We had a very a lot of very frank and disheartening conversations about the state of higher education. <laughs> <laughs> there are um, no jobs. You're going to work. No, that a was lot. the whole thing. Like it was so odd. Like we would we would emerge from this class and and get out into the the, the cool evening outside it was a night class and we'd sort of look around and be like what just happened are we okay are we gonna be okay like what is this <laughs> um but one of the and I can send you the the link one of the texts we read is this book um and this says a lot about the nature of the class too um called graduate study for the 21st century how to build an academic career in the humanities um I do want to go back and look at this again at some point because I did read the entire thing when we were in that class. Um, and I remember it being very overwhelming. Um, it was very frank, sort of. Um, I wouldn't compare it to David Allen because, again, I haven't read this particular text in a long time. But, like, it's just very frank about, like, you know, you have to be able to to focus and and think about these things deeply and make decisions. And there's lots of choices along the way. Um, but it wasn't, I don't remember it being as practical or Mm -hmm. helpful. It was just sort of disheartening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was like, well, well, and here's sort of the tie, like one of this, it was a, um, a gentleman who's been working in academia for, you know, maybe 20 or more years, um, at the time he wrote this, um, and it, you know, it's presented as a sort of survival guide, but it was stuff like, you better make sure that every project you work on can be used in at least three places, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. So like yeah. if you have a project for a class, you better turn it into an article for publication, mm-hmm. a chapter of your dissertation right. and a conference presentation. Like right. you have to make every opportunity count for five opportunities. Right. Yeah. Every, um, everything has to be published. Everything needs to be grist for the data mill. Um, Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I don't know if the specific advice was in there, but certainly in that same category and relating to a lot of what we're talking about here. Um, one thing that I got at a time when I was I was contemplating, like you know, would I ever go to graduate school? Because um, the the university where I was a psychology major was very like very focused on getting that program at least. You know, everyone with that major mm-hmm. ready for grad school, um, almost almost to a fault in many classes. Uh, but one thing that I, I felt was hammered home a lot that is that ties in directly to our conversation here was also you need to make sure that uh, everything you're doing and everyone you work with and everywhere you go relates to the topic you want the next four to ten years of your life to be about because, yes. you know, if you go somewhere where there's no one you know to work with or sponsor you who's interested in anything you're interested in, you're going to be working on their problems. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're going to mm-hmm. anyhow. It's just a question of like, is that also going to be your life's work? Or are you just going to be furthering <laughs> theirs and then starting over mm-hmm. when you get out on your own? Right. No, there are a lot of these messages. Um, yeah, it was just, I, and I should go back and read it because I'm sure I'll think of other topics when I revisit it now um, as the person I am now. But it was there was stuff in there too about, um, you know, not only should you be, um, absolutely bonding with your cohort and finding your, your reading group and, um, you know, readers that support your work and all this stuff. Um, but it was also like for every, 
uh, major topic that you and your cohort think that you should be covering, you need to start a weekly reading group that reads whole books of philosophy and does this and does this. And like, now that I'm saying out loud, like any, anyone who's been through grad school who's listening will be like, yeah, well that stuff happens and that's really good. Like, why is that a bad thing? But like Mm -hmm. the, the, this guy just would not account for, um, burnout or the fact that some students are part-time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was, it was just a very restrictive way of looking at professionalization. Um, I don't know. So I guess one thing that I'm thinking about is I think there's a lot of value in focus and cohesion in these things we're talking about. Um, I don't know, but I feel like especially for young people, there's so much of that, that how would you even know if another thing connects to what you're thinking about unless you went out and Mm -hmm. experienced it? Unless you picked up that book that looked interesting for no particular reason or went out with that group that you, you might get along with. I don't know. Well, two things there. Um, it occurs to me that almost everything I think of when we're on the air is there's, there's two things. Um, (laughs) thing the first, uh, I, I would say, I would argue, um, you know, as, as far as, uh, any of these topics go with the possible exception of sports and maybe even there, um, having, having exposure to, or outlets for those, you know, and, and leaving room for those random little occurrences, the, the book that doesn't really relate, um, the circle of friends that aren't really tied into what you're doing, things like that, um, is, is probably even in the long run going to be good for whatever your one thing is, your main thing is, because mm-hmm. exposure to those new ideas, even if they don't seem to relate, they're probably going to relate somehow, you know, sooner mm-hmm. or later, you're going to get an idea that, that you haven't had. And in fact, nobody in your field is going to get an idea that no one in the field has ever had just by mm-hmm. looking at the field. If you are, if yeah. you are steep, don't, you know, going back to your, your, your idea about disciplines being, you know, walled off from each other. Um, if you are steeped only in, you know, your narrow little branch of, of say social psychology, um, or early childhood development or 17th century literature, and you really <laughs> never, ever look anywhere else, you are not going to be the most creative practitioner of your, of your art or your craft or your, um, science. Um, you know, you need, you need new input from somewhere. So there, there's always mm-hmm. going to be some value to leaving room for that. Um, the other thing that, 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 that last little passage of yours brought to mind though, is that thing I said earlier about trade-offs, um, Mm-hmm. You know that the the was it a gentleman who was giving who had written the thing that was David Allen esque but yeah. dispiriting yeah it sounded like a gentleman <laughs> <laughs> I there are gonna be fields where um, where that is the reality where like you're gonna need that level of focus I use the example of professional athletes and CEOs mm-hmm. um, you know that's always that's always gonna be true somewhere and that's always gonna help someone I I the thing I would come back to though is trade offs. Like you should understand um, having that kind of dedication or focus might allow you a better chance at succeeding in a certain way with a certain kind of academic career. Uh, But that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's the only way. And you do give something up by doing that, Uh, both in your quality of life now and probably in your opportunities later. Uh, So I I guess the, you know, the only advice I have is just be mindful of the fact that it is a trade off Um, that that. Focus is extremely powerful. 
Um, but cutting yourself off from recreation, from exposure to other ideas, um, from diversity of experience, uh, also comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. So Max, what do I do with my life? Uh, I think you, based on the fact that you've been so fixated this whole podcast on the image of, uh, Barack Obama golfing, I think you either need to take up golf or become Barack Obama. Okay. It's decided. <laughs> what did you decide? One of those things. I'm just kidding. Nothing's decided. Nothing's solved. I just want it to be. I've uh, got nothing. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. The, the one other thing that I'm thinking about through all of this is, um, I, you know, as far as what to do next, you know, what, what to do with any of this beyond just understanding <laughs> there's trade-offs. <laughs> um, we've, we've referenced David Allen a couple times, so I'll, I'll give some getting things done-ish advice as well. Um, one thing I like in the getting things done sort of framework is is the idea that you're not just picking out a few very important things to focus on um, or doing a daily to-do list and then doing a new one tomorrow. Um, one of the big ideas is that you try on an ongoing basis um, to have everything that's going on in your life captured somewhere. You know, a list mm -hmm. of everything, all of your outstanding commitments are captured as projects. And anything that's like a commitment to a person or a role or a duty or something that's not, you know, not a project to be finished, you know, is, is somewhere else, you know, captured as an area of focus or an area of responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say, too, if, if one, one and one may be a graduate student in the field of English or one might just be a random listener, um, one might be me as well. Uh, but if one is feeling um, tension about whether or not there's enough cohesion among everything going on in one's life, um, whether or not things are aligned well enough to get one where, where, where one wants to go. Um, I would say it wouldn't be a bad exercise just to do a big brain dump, do an inventory of everything you're doing, you know, all, all the projects, all the commitments, all the looming deadlines, all of the things you're responsible for right now, and just, just take an inventory and then look through that once it's all in one place and one big list and, you know, it, rather than asking, does all of this point in the right direction or is all of this about one thing, you know, rather than just asking, is this too diverse or is this not diverse enough? Maybe just look at it and say, is this what I want to be doing right now? Because um, for better or for worse, whatever your backlog of those projects is right now, that's your life. That's your work. Um, and is that what you how you want to be spending your time might be an easier question than is there enough overlap and cohesion among these things? Yeah. Is that useful at all, or did I just ruin the podcast by yeah. ending with three minutes of shit? No, I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about how what I hear and what you're saying is that, so my questions when we started were sort of about, do these things support each other? Um, but then where we've arrived seems to be, do all these things support me? Yes. As a human. Ah, I love it. Okay. Okay, I'm comfortable with that. Let's quit. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review. 
as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. everything I got was about team cohesion and productivity. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, no. What if I didn't explain myself? And that's what Max thinks I mean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, oh no, he's been thinking about the wrong thing for a week and I don't want to talk about that. Well, I did, I did do a small amount of prep on the subject of cohesion. Um, and I, I didn't know quite what direction you were, you were going to go in, but I I did do a little, if you want to hear it, I can, I can run through mine real quickly. Yeah, go for it. The, Dictionary defines cohesion oh, as the action or no. fact of forming a united oh whole, or in physics, the sticking hole. together of particles of the same substance. I think that cohesion oh my God. is a very, very good thing, because without it, we would not have anything except things that were incoherent. Thank you. A++ would listen again.